Check, check, check. Oh yeah. Good morning, everybody. It's uh, 10.41 a.m. for me on a Saturday. And welcome to Chatting Between Takes. I'm Sean Benson. Oh, and we're back on the instant. And we're going to try not to burp. So, um, I got to tell you, man, good day. Good day for me yesterday. Emily and I, we, uh, we took the plunge. And uh, I think you all know what that means. We put our 51-inch plasma in our bedroom. So this was huge for us because, you know, it wasn't just about a, a smart place to put the television. It was, um, it was a sort of conceptual choice about who we want to be, you know. And for me, this goes back years. Um, the sort of genesis of it in this house was that we had this sort of, it wasn't purposely a man cave. But basically, you know, we got a three-story, well, two-story plus furnished basement place. And down there, we've got this sort of sectional that the previous tenants left us and then put the flat screen with the sound bar. And I got a bunch of bike gear down there for, for indoor riding and then music gear. And, uh, you know, Emily just didn't like it down there. Uh, and I was always like, come on, let's go watch on the big screen. And it just never happened. And it's so funny because I, I think about like... Um, you know, the reason for not wanting a TV in the bedroom, for me, it kind of goes back. I was always trying to kind of explore the uh, the genuine decorating that honored who I am. Um, for, for example, I once lived with a girlfriend over at like Queen and Dufferin way back before it was cool, like no Drake, just a like hacky bar called the Stardust. And we lived together and... Uh, I, I basically had a corner of a room in the basement that I was allowed to decorate. And then the rest of it, she was a bit older than me too. The rest of it was hers. And it was all Ikea or, or the like, uh, Pottery Barn. Does Pottery Barn do furniture? It was that kind of thing. And my God, if I fucking shifted a carpet, it was like, no, 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 that's not how it goes. <laughs> so I sort of, um, and by the way, guys, you know, <laughs> I take a bit of responsibility for this. And, you know, if my suggestion is don't get into a situation where you're allowed a piece of a basement or maybe an unheated garage, but the rest is not yours. You know, it's like you get 10%. Oh, but you can do whatever you want with that. But for me in that situation, yeah, and the remaining 90%, I can't do anything. Um, but where I take responsibility, and this is my suggestion, gentlemen, is get interested in this stuff. You know, get interested. So, for example, um, if my girlfriend says to me, hey, do you like the blue dress or the red dress? My pretty standard response, my dude response can be, I don't, I don't fucking know about dresses. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know. Why are you asking me? Which is fine, but it really doesn't take more than about three seconds to look in her direction and go... I like the blue one. Now, here's where it gets tricky. If you look and you don't know, it probably means you don't like either one. Now, at that moment, this is where the fortitude comes in. And it's going to take a little time investment. It's going to take, you know, an extra couple minutes, but the payoff will be grand. Is basically, if you don't like either, you got to be willing to say, you know, uh, let's, let's, let's find another one. Now, the key there is the word let's because you're saying we'll do it together. And then that means you actually are on the hook for a little bit more stuff. Now, for me, where this pays back is when I'm driving down the road 
and we're in the Hyundai's it's winter and Emily goes Porsche because you know something drives by and she's like is that a 914 or a 944 looks like a 914 to me I think I fall more deeply in love every single time she does that. And it's because she's taking the time every time I show her the computer and go, check these 914s. I think I might want one of these, maybe put in a 3-2 and make a little bit of a track monster. Nobody really digs the 914s. They think they're sort of the, you know, <coughs> pussy, ugly duckling of the line. But anybody who knows, knows this is the original mid-engine, you know, consumer Porsche. And uh, she now knows that. Because she cares, not like I do, not for long, but enough. And that's where you can kind of throw it back. So for me in this situation back in that home with that girl is I was never contributing because I actually didn't care. (laughs) So if you actually don't care, it's hard. But the result was I end up with just a sliver of a basement. So anyways, when her and I split up, I went and I got this killer loft over on Roncesvalles, like 30 foot high ceilings, had the elevated bed area, had a back deck, pure swank, like single dude pad. But I was in this react. Oh, by the way, um, this was the ultimate bait and switch. I went to look at this apartment and, you know, it was like a few bucks more than I wanted to spend. And just this, you know, really stunning brunette kind of answers the door and is like, hey, I'm here to show you the place kind of shows me around kind of flirty the whole deal and I'm just like damn I kind of like this place you know it's more than I wanted to spend but it kind of seems worth it and uh so I think I went and looked at it again and she's like oh yeah totally and then I'm like okay I think I'll take the place she goes cool I'll get back to you never saw her again only ever saw her dad who owned the place (laughs) pure bait and switch and uh, although this guy did introduce me to uh, the wonders apparently of vitamin E cream for your skin I went over to like drop off a uh, a deposit check or something this guy opens the door and he's got like long hair down to his nipples no shirt on he's in a towel and he's like hey hey you must be here for the rent how old do you think I am <laughs> I thought it was like a P.T. Anderson movie or something. Gonna have a eunuch in the back throwing off firecrackers. Uh, I'm like, I, 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 I don't know, 38? 54. 54. You know why you think I'm 38? And he starts rubbing this uh, white uh, cream on his eyes. And he's like, vitamin E. Vitamin E cream. That's why you think I'm 38. Now, here's the thing. I don't know if I thought he was 38 or not. I didn't really think about it because I think I was 24 at the time. And, you know, above a certain age or below a certain age, when you're a certain age, it's kind of irrelevant. Like if I ask my eight-year-old nieces how old I am, there's not really a difference, maybe now that they're eight, but even a year ago, there's no difference between 18 and 58. You're just old. And then if I'm 24, I'm thinking 35 is about the cutoff. Like if you're older than 35, but you don't have gray hair then you're just kind of over there. Um, By the way, this is interesting for me now because I don't know the difference between a 13-year-old, a 22-year-old, and this guys and girls. I'm not trying to make some fucking bad pedophile joke here it's it's like what do you there's no way that guy's in college or uh you know taking my order or or i don't know running the audition session uh it's just it's definitely uh uh, you know sort of 10 years away from me equals the same age so anyways 
I take this apartment and in full reaction to that situation where I had no input into the decorating and also I was in this real exploratory stage. So what I'm going to do is I am just going to let my furnishing evolve. I'm not just going to go to Ikea and get a coffee table because everybody has a coffee table. Do I need a coffee table? Is a coffee table something for me? Do I just go get the like one two piece, you know, love seat and then the single chair? Or do I just see what Sean needs? Because I didn't really know myself, right? I'd kind of always lived with roommates or, you know, this was my, I think it was my first time really living on my own, like full year lease. And it was interesting because I got there and I think I had a futon from university and, you know, cutlery and then like sporting gear. I think that was pretty much it. I don't think I really entered that apartment with much furniture. Three months later, that place still had zero furniture. That's how quickly that evolved. I remember my cousin coming to visit for a wedding, my brother's, and uh, I picked him up from the airport, brought him home, and uh, Brendan got to sleep on a carpeted floor with like a bunched up shirt as a pillow and a towel. Um as his blanket. So it was around that time I thought, okay, I need to evolve this a little bit more quickly. Uh, it's glacial right now. And, uh, you know, I, I think I eventually went and bought some furniture because I couldn't really uh, entertain. But still the TV was something that I didn't go. I, th- I don't know if someone gave me one for that place. So for the next like five or eight years, where, if, do I have a television uh, was a real important thing for me, you know. I grew up in a house um, where my parents have a living room and a den, and the den is where the TV is, and the living room is where you entertain. So we, other than as kids, if you're coming to watch a show, which was again was an active choice, the living room was where you sat and, and had a chat. And by the way, hugely to my parents' credit for this, my friends still go by to visit them when I'm not around sometimes, and I know it's because, you know, they they cared. So you come in and the parents sit down and go, oh, come and have a chat. And you sit in the living room and you chat for a while. And, uh, you know, I love television. I, I love it too much. And the point is, is that without it being in the main area, conversation is what happened. And, uh, you know, you actually have to, to, to get interested in the person who, who's answering the thing. It's not just talk while the TV's on. So that was sort of you know, the, the model for me that was created. <clears throat> now, for a while, I had my TV in my bedroom, and then that just became about a lot of porn and cocaine. So we thought, okay, let's get that out of there. And then I think for a while, I had zero TV, and I thought I was being real, like... And <laughs> I had this other girlfriend who instilled all these ideas that, <clears throat> you know, anything uh, electronic within, like, 100 feet of your bedroom, and if it's facing west, well, the bed should actually be faced northwest because of uh, Ayurvedic principles. And it was one of these, you know, I was sort of newly sober, and I was trying to figure out, you know, again, it's it's all these sort of situations of whether I gave over too fully to a girlfriend situation or whether I gave over too fully to a drink and drug situation, I kept finding myself in these positions where I had a need to redefine myself to myself. And this is something I've talked a bit uh, about, like the, the idea of like self-definition. Now today, I don't think it's that important, but at those times it was important for me because I really didn't know, do I want a TV? Uh, do I feel... Uh, you know, power lines coming through my dreams and altering my states of being. It's it's almost like having, I was vegetarian for about four years and then vegan for a year. Didn't quite work for me. 
Now, oh, this gets to something I really want to talk about today. It works for some people. And by the way, some people do it better. I wasn't really, you know, combining the grains right and all that. It was basically peanut butter, bread, and cereal. Uh, And then I think at some point, you know, I don't know, some vegan principle meant no more peanut butter. And so it's like, okay, really? Oh, yeah, of course, it had to be almond milk and rice milk and all that stuff. So it was one of the, and apparently almond milk's a problem now because of droughts. There's just no amazing way to sustain 7 billion of us uh, environmentally properly, whether you're, you're vegan or not. Um, but I, I support that fully for anybody who's into it. It didn't work for me and I didn't work it. But so for me, again, I had to kind of explore all these things and then go, no, 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 I want to add fish back in and some chicken back in or whatever. Um, so in this TV, not TV, TV, not TV, when Em and I finally moved in together, we got this 51 inch. It was the biggest deal. We got photos of us up at the Best Buy and we're all excited. And then, uh, you know, for about three weeks, we're watching it. And then I'm the only one who watched it for the next couple of years. Now, here's what it sort of devolved to was, no, we don't want a TV in the bedroom, but we would just watch the laptop every night on Netflix. And so we're basically like, we're never watching proper TV. And it's always like, ah, we're here. I know we said we were going to read, but let's watch another episode of Friday Night Lights. And uh, of course, as it ends, we're like, okay, just one more. So um, finally, M said, hey, what if we put the TV up here? And partly because of the podcast, and I've been recording a lot of music lately, both for uh, Emmy Rouge doing some demos and also for the movie, Barn Wedding, I've been creating the... Uh, the score for it, the music set up downstairs has sort of had to live there a bit. And uh, so it seemed like a real good idea. So yesterday, we finally take the plunge and it was fan-fucking-tastic. I think we did four apps, did the Friday Night Lights. I bought the Apple TV. Now, when the Apple TV was down in the basement and our router's upstairs, real problem, and I was going to return it. But then when we moved the TV up... <coughs> excuse me, the distance meant that the reception was actually effective so that it could stream from the computer or from the Netflix, whatever. Point is, it's all working. Now, here's for me the real key of this. Uh, and it kind of goes back to that thing that I was always searching for. Today, I'm not worried about who I am. I'm not worried about who Emily is. I'm not worried about who my mom or dad is or who you are in that sort of... uh where does it fit sense? It's, I'm really trying to work to what is, not what should be. And what is, is that almost nightly, Em and I are staring at a screen to wind down. Or by the way, na- afternoon, we love our naps and shit. So it's like, okay, so if every other day we're going to be in bed with a screen, it's sort of awkward that it's the laptop. In other words, acknowledging what the actual situation is. And this is why, in fact, Emily and I have a shared car. Because I had this Ford Focus, 2012 Ford Focus, as a standard automobile. Now, by the way, I fully, fully endorse what the reviewers say. I think it was Car and Driver who said, the greatest shame of this Ford Focus is that only 8% of North Americans will ever know how good a car it is. Because only 8% choose standard. Because everybody wants automatic. The standard is genius. The thing is, is that Emily doesn't drive standard. I gave her a couple lessons, but she just didn't want to. Now, this was huge for me because obviously with all my ranting and my my Porsches and all that shit, I fucking love cars and I love driving standard. And I think that you have to know how to drive standard, 
but maybe you don't. Maybe I need to know how to drive standard and you do whatever the hell you want. Uh, same with the motorcycle. I mean, God, I, I'm, when I'm operating that motorcycle and it's just pure click, click, both hands on it, can't be on the cell phone. It's part of where my disdain for other drivers comes in. It's like, you don't even know how to drive that thing. It's funny because um, so historically, especially uh, people in Porsches would, I think VW bug owners do this too. Uh, and they have a shared DNA, by the way. Um, but if uh, Ferdinand Porsche designed the, the, the VW bug, if you drive past a Porsche person, you kind of click your highs uh, or you wave and they get it. Now, where this doesn't happen is when you're driving by, let's say, the 45-year-old woman who's maybe had some obvious work done, who's got jewelry dripping from her fingers, and she's driving the 2012, you know, C4 uh, with Tiptronic or PDK. And uh, when you wave at that woman as you're driving your 85 Targa, she kind of looks like, why the fuck are you waving at me? Huh, are you hitting on me? Are you, am I in your way? Sort of gives a, a quick dismissal kind of look and then drives on. And now, you know, that woman, and by the way, this is a particular woman. I'm not branding all women. This happened in the fall. She doesn't know why I'm waving at her because she doesn't really know what she's driving. At least that woman didn't. And uh, so as, as you know, and I'm looking at this thing going, God, and by the way, the PDK, which is the Tiptronic, it's a faster transmission than, than a manual, and fuck what I wouldn't do to take that car on the track. Um, but don't even get me started about people who have more money than skill on the track. So, and I want to be both. I want the guy with all the money and the skill. Um, so one thing that happened was, you know, I got this sports car, and then I got the motorbike, and I was like, fuck, this Ford is just sitting there, and M's taking transit, and uh, <laughs> I said, hon, you should learn how to drive standard. Nah, nah, nah. Hun, you should learn how to drive standard. Eh. The 10 years ago, this might have been breakup worthy for me. This might have been one of those Seinfeld things where it's like, eh, she doesn't drive standard. I know. Best Seinfeld impression you've ever heard. Nah, she doesn't drive standard. Ah, she doesn't drive standard. She doesn't drive standard. So uh, <laughs> I'll go all day with that. Um, so the one thing that has to do with taking things as they are and not as I need them to be is I was like, well, fuck, we, you know, I still got a shit ton of like, I got equity in the Ford is my point. Why, why don't I, why don't we swap it and get something like Fiesta or, or Focus or, or Hyundai Accent uh, automatic? And, you know, we run the numbers. It makes sense. We go and, it, you know, it just makes sense. Um the Hyundai Accent we got, the GLS, so we got the sunroof and the and the leather steering wheel and all that. Cheaper for me. Em's surprised how much she's not paying. You know, transit isn't totally cheap, especially when you get a, a pass. So she's paying more, but not a ton more, but can do about nine more things in a day than she was doing before when it was transit. Um, so it's working out. Like, it's really working out. And instead of bearing a grudge or resentment because, you know, uh, why aren't I dating the kind of person who drives standard? Well, she could say the same about me with cooking. I'm trying to cook more, but I don't really cook. Or uh, I don't know what else I do that matters to her that I don't do. But that's kind of what I'm getting at is that if I can let go of that in this situation, we now have this pretty amazing shared car thing going on. 
And now we got this fucking TV in the bedroom. And last night, falling, well, we weren't falling asleep watching it, but, uh, you know, it was kind of like, shit, this is really good. And we did the AB where I put the laptop on my lap and then the, the thing was on the screen. And even though it's much further away, it's bigger than the laptop. And I'm all about that kind of larger thing, you know. You want to sit pretty close. Like when I go to the movie theater, I want to sit like uh, front third. Because if I'm much further back than that, it's no bigger than my plasma. You know, the the perspective starts to make it about the same size. And it, maybe the theater smells a bit. And maybe the seats aren't super comfy. Or I'm a bit on an angle. So, uh, you know, I want to get front third so I know I'm at the movies. And, and uh, <laughs> anyways, that's one of those things where... Uh, by acknowledging what is instead of some bizarre version of what should be, uh, I don't. I won't even talk about me and them. I have found a, a greater peace and less to be concerned about. Um, and by the way, the other benefit is that <clears throat> M can drive a lot more now, which means that I don't necessarily drop her off, but also I can Instagram or Facebook while she's driving. Hey. Double tap like, hey, hashtag. I love that I make fun of that. Like I don't do that all the time. So I want you guys to join me here uh, or not join me, but <laughs> you know, I'm putting it out there. Anthony Robbins, the motivational speaker. By the way, I don't know what people's opinion of him is. When I was growing up, um, Anthony Robbins was on late night TV along with like Tom Vu. And so, you know, to the undiscerning viewer, and uh, I was too young to be discerning, they were the same thing. By the way, interesting one here. I used to do the announcements for the, uh, the high school. And so I remember I would do the soccer announcements for the men's soccer team, which I wasn't on. Uh, they just asked me, you know, can you, can you announce our scores and stuff after our games? So I had had a soccer coach who was Scottish from Scotland. And so I'd always do the last night the soccer team played on the pitch and you know they lost three two or they won five to four, awful accent, but nobody minded and the soccer team loved it. Then I remember doing this thing about money for the the grads, and I remember doing Tom Vu. Now Tom Vu's this I think he's Vietnamese and uh, he was a real estate he was selling a real estate plan like how to get rich. And he used to be on his, look, look up Tom Vu. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll put one up on my Facebook page. Let me see if I can find it while we're talking. Tom Vu would have sort of, you know, six girls surrounding him, not terribly attractive. Uh, and he'd be like, you think these girls like me because I'm good looking? They like me because I'm rich. Uh, oh, here we go. Tom Vu and his babes. <laughs> you can look at this. Now, I would do these announcements. Financially independent. And, uh... The uh, I got complaints. The ESL teacher complained that I was being racist. I was fucking livid, man. And I'll tell you why I was livid. Because, you know, to imitate a person is, I don't think, even remotely racist. Uh, especially because, you know, for some reason I could imitate a Scottish guy. Generically. This is just your generic Scott. Oh, look, he's into soccer and he rolls his ass. Uh... Fuck, that's such a bad accent. Sorry. Sorry. Um, I'm sorry. That's a bad accent. I'm sorry. Bad accent. Um, so that was fine. But as soon as I actually imitate a person, somehow that was perceived as uh, a racist. And uh, 
you know, in, uh, in human or whatever. So I remember just being like, that's fucked. That's not right. Um, you know, that, that doesn't make any sense to me. But so back then, Tony Robbins would do these infomercials. And then uh, I'm posting this right now. Tom Vu, forever the man. Um, and, you know, uh, Anthony Robbins would talk about how he used to be overweight and how he used to, you know, be living in this one bedroom bachelor that, or this bachelor pad that was crap and how he worked his way out of it. Now, Anthony Robbins is currently worth about half a billion dollars. But when I was going through <clears throat> sort of a, a recovery, sobriety, all that stuff, I was listening to these uh, CDs of his and, and kind of doing this stuff, you know, the personal power, the uh, get the edge. It's fantastic. This guy's legit to me. So I like that he's still standing. Um, and he talks very much um, about how important it is to state your goals to people, to say out loud what you're going to do because it essentially makes you beholden to them. And this is part of, you know, <clears throat> okay, I'm going to go to Europe this spring. I haven't booked the ticket, scared, never been to Europe, going to backpack, don't know how to do that. But I'm telling everybody in my freshman year that I'm going to Europe. Well, at a certain point, maybe the thing that made me actually get down to the travel cuts pre-internet and, and book my Eurail pass and my ticket and nothing else, because I had no clue what to do when we got there, um, was the fact that I told everybody, was the fact that I'd created uh, a reality for myself. And I went to Europe and had a fucking phenomenal time, backpacked through Europe for two months with two buddies and uh, Tom and Jason and, fuck, I mean, just saw Europe on my own as a young adult. Uh, what could basically be better than that? But I know there's times where it would have been easier not to go. Uh, why am I going? Whatever. And it's part of it is that I put it out there. So I'm putting this out to you guys. Today is Saturday, the 24th. Right now I weigh about 192 pounds. So I was shooting this film in Greece uh, where I was playing a priest this spring. And uh, I'd come off a winter project that I was directing. And so I was kind of like eating a lot and I've chatted with a couple other directors and apparently the decision making process and keep this in mind this has nothing to do with directing but in life making decisions apparently creates a little ebb in your glucose like the amount of energy required it can sort of deplete <clears throat> your energy so eating uh, becomes you know I, I get why there's a lot of fat director guys Orson Welles and Francis Ford Copeland all that stuff because I was probably making about 100 decisions a day. And then I get this film in Greece where I'm playing a priest. And to my mind, when I read the script, this guy had to be super lean. And not lean in an athletic way, but just he's just spending his time in libraries. He's, he's sallow in the skin. And he's not really, uh, you know, there's, there's neither muscle nor whatever. So I shed, I think, like 20 pounds in about 15, 20 days. It's not that hard. And I'll tell you why it wasn't hard. Because I had a specific reason I had a specific goal. By the way, there's something else Anthony Robbins talks about coincidentally. But I knew what I was doing it for. I knew how important it was to me. And so, you know, uh, yeah, I'm taking off in two weeks or three weeks to go to Greece, baby. But I got to go down and ride the bike for an hour at midnight and sweat out that day's whatever and, and keep the diet lean and all that. Short term, pretty easy. Get back. I'm in the best shape of my life. I had my bicycle over there. I was biking 40K a day. And then I hurt my hip. I won't tell you how, but maybe if I get drunk on the podcast one day, I will. Ask Emily. And uh, 
I couldn't really maintain that kind of thing. So now I'm up like almost 30 pounds heavier than that. Not quite. I don't really mind it because it's not my face. Point is though, I'm up for a roll that I may or may not get, but it would require some shirt off activity. And by the time they tell me if I'm going to get this thing or not, it's going to be too late. So I'm starting today and I'm dropping 10 pounds in three weeks. By the way, this should be really easy. Now where it's not so easy is that I don't have the roll yet. But also, Dave, does that count as a burp? Okay, so Dave Steele, I don't know if I've mentioned him, one of my best friends since I was eight. And uh, we were out at uh, the concert in Guelph, and he loves the podcast and has been, you know, a real, real avid listener. And again, just one of my best friends. And because of how quickly I talk and because of, you know, being slightly nervous every time I do the podcast, hoping you guys like it and that it works out, I tend to swallow a lot of air and then I chug coffee thinking that's the solution. So then that makes me talk faster. I won't say it makes me more nervous. I actually think coffee makes me less nervous. Um, I'll try my fourth coffee of the day in a second. We'll see if that's true. But, uh, but then it makes me burp. And, and <laughs> Dave's like, dude, I love the podcast. Really love it. Love when you have guests. Love when you do it solo. I'm totally amplifying how much Dave says he loves it. But he fucking loves it. He said he'd die for this podcast. He said he'd kill for this podcast. Uh, and that he'd take his own life in that bar at that moment if the podcast required it. So I was pretty impressed with that. But he doesn't like the burping. And he has like a phobia for it. Uh, <laughs> a real a real problem with the burps. So I think I've burped around 30 times. Anyways, we'll... we'll get off that. Um, but uh, I'm trying to drop this 10 pounds. So I'm going to keep you guys updated. And uh, right now we're at 192 January 24th. Let's see what would happen if I open a calendar. Anyways, I can't do the math. 24, 31, 7, 14th, 14th, Valentine's Day. Jesus, wouldn't that be a present for my lady? Peel off the shirt. Show a 182 pounds. Benzo glory. Now, at 182 pounds, I don't have anything resembling a six-pack, although I have been hitting the weights hard. Uh, and this is always an interesting one for me because this fall, was it the fall, October? Around then, I was up for a, a lead in a TV series that was looking good, and that guy should have been more muscular than I was, had nothing to do with leanness. So I started cranking the weights and uh, didn't get the part, but was so uh, happy with how the progress had been going uh, on on the weights that I, I sort of kept that going and anyways blah 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 you guys are on board with me for 10 pounds and uh, let's see what'll we do if I hit it I I've decided I'm a radio personality now a podcast personality should I hit my goal I will donate to kiva.org that is one of these uh, microloan organizations that I support I will double my current contributions to them and believe me, they're not zero, so let me write this down so I forget. Kiva.org is going to get double, and uh, if I don't hit my 10 pounds, uh, Kiva.org is going to get double. Why should people to whom I'm going to microloan uh, win or lose? It's like the ice bucket challenge. <laughs> I mean, was that the most ridiculous thing in the world? Uh, by the way, uh, I was told by multiple people that I won the ice bucket challenge, but whatever. You know, maybe I did, maybe I didn't. Maybe a mustache and a speedo in a shower, or as I like to say, a spado. Maybe that is winning the ice bucket challenge. Uh, I, I like to think of it more as when I'm in a speedo and a mustache, you're winning. It's not that I'm winning. It's that in that situation, 
you're winning. You're welcome. You think all these girls like me because I'm good looking? They like me because I'm rich. What are you doing, lad? That's racial. I think it went something like that. I am going to finish this coffee. I'm going to budget. And then I'm going to go to my studio and work with some people and have some fun. You guys are the best. Thanks for hanging in. Uh, this is our Saturday morning, multiple coffee, chatting between takes. I'm Sean Benson. Love y'all. And that's a wrap.